Good morning. Are you glad to be here? Are you telling the truth? Amen. New. It's been a week, hasn't it? You went to the gas pumps on Monday. You went back to them on Friday. And the second time you went, your bank wouldn't give you a loan. That's about the way you feel on it, isn't it? Amen. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Okay. We need to be about our Father's business, amen? I won't do it this morning. I'm telling you, if you don't start signing up for specials, I will grab a hymn out of the hymn book and sing it a cappella every Sunday that you don't have a special. And if I can't do it, I'll have Pastor Kenny do it. And if he can't do it, I'll have James do it. All right. <laughs> I did. It was fun watching some of the, the people singing when, you know, we're singing right along. And see, I have a baritone voice, you know, or a barely toned voice. How do you want to do that? I have a baritone voice. I, I'm nice and loud, and I generally don't go flat, but uh, sometimes I can't go high. And he went one place, and Pastor Caleb turned and looked at me because we went up on that one song, and it came out. He looked over at me and I just shook my head. And I felt really bad to look down at the front row. And I watched it happen to Michael in that song too. because <laughs> He's going, <clears throat> and they all laugh. So, you know, it's okay. You're in church. You can make a joyful noise. If you're saved, you have a song to sing that the world doesn't have. Are they hearing your song? Are they hearing your song? Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel. This is message is from my heart basically because of the days that we're in and what's taking place around us, how fast things are changing. Next week, they're going to make a mandatory uh, um, having to wear mask again and a new, a new vaccine for monkeypox. Just kidding. You won't get it if you're not kissing monkeys, Okay. Or other things that God says are wrong. Let's leave it there. First Samuel chapter 12. I'll get myself in trouble if I continue. Verse 20. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. Moreover, as for me, this is Samuel the prophet, moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. The title of the message is from the preacher's heart. The background of this passage with Samuel is he's turning around and the people rejected God as their king. They rejected God as their king. Do you realize that? Look at 1 Samuel. Let me see here. Verse 
1 Samuel verse, or chapter 8, verse 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. They had rejected God as their king. I want you to know that the perfect government is not a representative republic. That's America. We're not a democracy. We're a representative republic. It's not a democracy. It's not an oligarchy. It's not communist rule where that's supposed to be for the people, but you have a ruling class that makes it harder on the people than they do in a country that has so-called democratic governments. It's not socialism. The perfect rule of government is with a perfect king. We'll have that one day. We don't have it now. We don't have it now. There's a day when our Savior will not only be representing Himself as the Savior of those who turn to Him, He will rule and reign for a thousand years in righteousness. Okay, and I always look at that, you know, people, and I'm not trying to pick anybody who said amen, but he's going to rule in righteousness. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know how we like righteousness? We like righteousness when other people have to live up to righteousness. Amen? I understand how that works. I'm the same way. Well, yeah, that rule, I know that's a rule. The government passed that rule, and I'm supposed to obey all the rules. But that one makes no sense to me, so I'm going to do it my way. That's saved and lost alike, isn't it? I can tell you that. I, I, I'm being honest with you. Okay? I know that 55 means 64. <laughs> yeah. To some people, 55 means 55. And then all you people who don't want to obey 55, can't they drive like everybody else? <laughs> Amen? So the people had rejected their king. God was their king. He was ruling over them through judges. And Samuel was the last judge. So they went ahead and they anointed Saul king. He was the people's choice. And they chose him because he was taller and better looking than the rest. Don't laugh too hard. I do have feelings. But they chose him. He does one good act. Saul does one good act and the people get haughty. You know, what does he do? He turns around and he rescues the people of Jabesh Gilead. And he, you know, and he, does, he follows what God tells him to do. He goes and you know, he also gets his, the, the asses for his father. And they look at this thing and they want him king. They've declared to have a king. God warned them what would happen when they had a king. You know what God said is going to happen when you have a king? You're going to pay taxes. You're going to pay taxes. You know, once you have a king, that's when you have people who move from the city who are used to having everything done from them, so they don't like the rules they have in the city, so they move in the country, and then they say, how come that farmer's field stinks? I don't want to live here. Shut the farmer down. Right? Well, they don't want to have the city life where all the people are on top of each other. You know what I'm saying? And they don't like it because they have to be fearful for their family. So then they move to the country and complain about having to travel too far to get the same benefits they had in the city. 
You know what country people do? We complain because somebody moves within a quarter mile of us. We do, don't we? Well, if that man would talk to me, I would never let him sell that house to those people. <laughs> so he, they get very haughty. The people get haughty. They get proud. They get self-righteous. Okay, they, now they've got their king. They don't have to answer directly to God through the judges. And Saul rescues Jabesh Gilead. And the people wanted to kill all those who were against Saul being his king. That kind of sounds like what's going on between Democrats and Republicans. Gee, you think I'm overemphasizing that? I'm glad liberal Democrats are afraid of guns. <laughs> At least some of them are. The rest of them are school shooters. They were ready to kill, you know, and he did one good thing. You think about that? You know, sometimes, think for a minute with me, okay? Set aside the cares of the world, turn off the little vibration that makes you look down at your phone when a new text comes in while the preaching is going on. Huh? You know, it's silent, okay? I always know when that happens when somebody goes, oh! People judge a decision by the immediate result. Instead of looking at what the long-term results are going to be. So they wanted Saul as king, they got him. Now if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 11, I'm just trying to bring you up to, this is the introduction. If it ends before 12 or 11.50, be happy. Okay. Just kidding. I'll stop it by 11.45. 1 Samuel 11, look at verse 15. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrifices, sacrificed the sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced how? Man, they had a party. And then we come after chapter 11 into Samuel talking to them and he tells them the history of God's people. Their blessing and then their rebellion. Their blessing and their rebellion. Look at 1 Samuel 12, verse 6. And Samuel said unto the people, it is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord which He did to you and to your fathers. And he goes on and he tells them, and he's speaking to them through the rest of that chapter, and he points to them how that when they followed Moses and Aaron out of Egypt and he went into the land, how that different times he blessed them they got comfortable, then they rebelled. And he drew back his blessing and they paid for it. And then they repented. And it's like, oh, 
God's not giving us what we want anymore. We better go to the house of God. Say, I'm sorry. And because God is merciful and gracious, the blessing came again. And they'd go just a little bit farther and they'd forget where the blessing came from. A lot of people think that, you know, well, I work hard and I earn a lot of money and I did it and God has nothing to do with that. Until you're sick or you're broken and then it's, why did God do this to me? We're going to look at this morning. Pastor Kenny as he was talking about what Job had to learn about God, didn't know I was preaching this message this morning. I'm sitting in my office. I missed the Sunday school hour. If you, it, was a, it was a very good introduction into today. So you need to come to Sunday school. That way I can shorten down my introductions. First Samuel chapter 12 and verse 20. Look at it. And I love this. I like it when I hear it any time in the Scriptures. And it says, And Samuel said unto the people, what? Fear not. Fear not. Why? Because when Samuel had pointed out to the people their rebellion and how they'd pulled away and they'd forgotten God, you know what America's problem is today? This is one nation under God, and now we have kids whose parents are stupid enough to support a child who doesn't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance. We have people in authority or, uh, that people, their children look up to in sports who refuse to put their hand over their heart. And I'm telling you right now, those people have never been into the villages of India. They've never been in a place where when I went to go to preach, we had to wait until the military came through and killed a bunch of communists who were controlling the villages so that Paul Victor could bring me in. They didn't do it for that reason. That's not why the government did it. They were trying to clean out a rebellion. But we had to wait, because we couldn't come into a village, 150 people waiting in a village to hear this man preach. I'm so glad they were willing to listen to the Lord. Who had to wait four days because the military came through and there was a running gun battle on a hillside surrounding the village because they had to clear out Chinese communists, Indians who were practicing that, Chinese communism. And they were persecuting the village because they're nothing but thugs. You don't you understand what I'm saying to you? We're praying, God, open the door, open the door. Let let Paul Victor wanted me to come in. This man had been waiting. It's a church he'd started. He and Paul had started this church in this village, a village of about 175 people. And they wanted Paul's pastor to come and preach to them because Paul bragged on me. I wish he wouldn't do that. I want you to meet my pastors. We want the, the man from America who Paul loves to come in and preach to them. And we can't go in for four days and we're praying and we're waiting and we're praying and we're waiting and then Paul comes to me and says, God answers prayer, preacher. I go, how's that, Paul? He says, they're all dead. 
And I see a picture of men laying out with their firearms on tarps riddled with bullets. And I'm going to go in and preach the promises of God to a village that wasn't going to be allowed to hear them. Kevin and Nancy, Judy, Steve Ford, all waiting to go in there. You know, it was, it was a blessing. Those people, <laughs> we had to walk about three quarters of a mile, Nance, through rice paddies to get around and go up the hills. They had to cut steps in a mountainside for us to get to their church because the road had been washed out. And we went to preach. The place was packed. See, and we know nothing about something like that in America. And I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. I'm saying, I want you to understand, though, you ought to spend more time thanking God and complaining. And he says, fear not. Why? Because the, you know, in verse 19, all the people said unto Samuel, pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. When they realize what they've done, they're saying, God, don't kill us. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. They were afraid God was going to kill them. They had convicted consciences. They were full of guilt. And to this, God has Samuel say to them, unto the people, fear not. Isn't that amazing? Do you know how many young people, when they mess up in their lives because they're young people, do you hear why I said that? They mess up because they're young people then are afraid to return to their homes because they're afraid of the condemnation of their mother and father. And when a nation who God chose to be His messes up and they're told because you know how this works? My Bible tells me in the book of Proverbs, if you don't believe me, go start reading the book of Proverbs, you'll find the verse. That way at least I know you've read it this month. It says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. We live in a day and an age where so many people are given mercy and they don't even bother to know what the truth is because people don't want to give it to them because they're afraid then they won't like them. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. The truth was they had sinned. They'd rebelled against God. They were God's people. I'm preaching to God's people this morning. Not primarily to the lost. I'll get to them. And he tells them what the truth is. Not your truth, my truth. His truth. I was watching a video my son was showing me last night on... Uh, it has to do with that, uh, spe or what do you call that? Um, it was a movie done by a man in, in the Daily Wire called, he goes around and he asks a question, what is a woman? And trying to get answers. And one of the leading psychologists, not psychologists, one of the leading pediatricians representing the transgender surgery movement, he asked her questions. She got angry with him. Because he just asked her what a woman was. She couldn't define it. And then when he talked about what was needed to cause that happen to children, 
Because what they'll do, they want to start early and earlier. So they can turn around and what they do is they give them, they called it um, puberty blockers. Puberty blockers. I know it's hard for some little kids. You can say, Pastor, don't go there. But what they actually give them is the same thing they use in the prison, prison system to kill the desires of pedophiles. It's chemical prevention. And they use it on kids. And they have no idea where it goes to. This is a na one nation under God. They don't even know what a child is. They don't understand that there is no gender identity outside of the truth. So he says, fear not. You've all done wickedness. The truth is, you've done wickedness. The mercy is, fear not. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things. She says, fear not. You know what my Bible tells me? All have sinned that come short of the glory of God. And yesterday I was at a memorial service, and it was emphasized greatly that the man who the service was for, there was 150 just under maybe 200 people there. Church not as big as ours. They couldn't put 150 in there comfortably. It was the pastor's dad. God, he was saved earlier. Got his life straightened around about 11 years ago, 11, 10 years ago, 9 years ago. And man, he mowed the church lawn. And he showed up at every outreach meeting. And it was all because he had pulled away from God he had rebelled, and then he saw the hand of God in his life and his mercy, and he said, I won't do that again, and I'll help, I'll help warn others so they won't do what I did. And he was there. And it wasn't because his son was the pastor. He didn't go there for a long time. See, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I kept saying, yeah, you're a sinner, but you're saved by grace. I like the idea that I'm a sinner who's now a saint. In God's mercy, he doesn't see my relationship that it used to be to the world. He sees my relationship to him. Because now I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And it goes there in verse 21 that says, Turn not aside from following the Lord. Turn not aside. How many of us were honest? I can tell you, I'll be honest. It says, Turn not aside from following the Lord. Since I've been saved, there's been times when I haven't done it the way God showed me to do it. You know what that is? It's turning aside. It's turning aside. So if you see me point a finger at you, Pastor Christian, my pastor, who's gone home to be of the Lord, used to go like this. Yeah. Okay? Ray McMillan knows what I'm talking about. He points his finger like this, and he says, I got one pointed at you and three pointed back at me. Well, I like this now. I'm going to put my thumb out, and I'm going to point to the people over there when I'm doing this. Okay? All have sinned. And he says, if you continue in that, 
Turn not ye aside, for ye should. For then, if you turn aside, you'll go after vain things. Vain things. Vain, empty, worthless, having no substance or value. Fruitless, ineffectual, proud of petty things, showy, light, worthless, unsatisfying, false, deceitful, to no purpose. That's Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary definition of vain. A vain. If you do that, you'll go after vain things. Which can what? Cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. They don't profit. My Bible tells me, Mark chapter 8, I think it's verse 36, for what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Isn't that amazing? Lose his own soul? You'll go after vain things that cannot profit nor deliver you. They don't deliver you. How many of you ever heard of Getty Oil? You've got to be a little older. Study the background, the history. When oil was really big in Pennsylvania, I mean... Paul J. Getty. We don't think of those names now because our country was built on those things. The railroads in the oil fields early in the finding of our country. Because when they went from burning wood to get that train going, they went to burning oil to make the boilers go. And she married into that family. She was glamorous. She thinks she was about 62-year-old wife of Paul Getty, Jr. After she died of what police said was a barbiturate poisoning, they had a Roman funeral. That means a Roman Catholic funeral. It was held for Talitha. <laughs> Isn't that a name? If I poke fun at Talitha, are any of you named Talitha? Raise your hand. I don't want to get in trouble with that. I'll just poke fun at other names. They had a Roman funeral for her. They had the service. Now this is a woman who in this day and age would be worth billions of dollars because back then it was, he was a multi, 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 multi millionaire. One identified woman, unidentified woman showed up at the funeral. No one seemed to care. Afterwards, it was commented on in the church on the absence of husband, father, in-laws, friends, and flowers. One of Talitha's acquaintance mumbled, she wouldn't want us to do something so uselessly sad. And I put that in comparison to a three and a half hour service yesterday for this man because he touched that many lives because he only served the Lord truly in his life about 11 years. But he made those 11 years count. The testimony time was 45 minutes. Yes, Dave? 
He was at the funeral at the memorial service. 45 minutes, people giving one and two minute, three minute blurbs about this man. One lived a life after vain things with no profit and does not deliver. The other lived when God finally got a hold of his heart for the only things that truly do profit because he had been delivered. Do you understand the difference? They don't deliver. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. Isn't that amazing? He will not forsake. I encourage people, sometimes they call me and they're hurting, and they've been hurt by a loved one, and they've been rejected by a family member. And your heart's breaking. Sometimes it's parents whose children have turned away from them. Sometimes it's children whose parents have turned away from them. Sometimes it's brothers and sisters. Sometimes it's that one you thought was your best friend until it came time for them to prove that they were your friend. And I give them Psalm 27.10 and we talk and we pray and we talk about that. When thy father and thy mother forsake thee, Lord will take thee up. He chose the children of Israel. God the Father did. You say, why is it important? You need to understand that. You want to know what's going around in history and what's going to happen in this world? Everything revolves around Israel. Because that's God the Father's chosen. But if you're here this morning and you're saved, do you know my Bible tells me that you were chosen before the foundations of the world in Jesus Christ? And the moment you got in Him, you had Jesus Christ, eternal life, no beginning and no end. And you were God's child. And you're automatically put into the body of Christ, which is the bride of Christ. They're not separate. You say, why do you say it that way? Because I've got some idiot... Baptist brethren who try to make it that way. I've got to change the Word of God just a little bit to make that happen. But it makes them feel more exclusive. See, I don't have to pick on Catholics and Presbyterians and Methodists. I can pick on us. If you're here this morning, you're a member of this church, you're a Baptist. Bible is the sole authority of all matters of faith and practice. Autonomy of the local church. No one tells us what to do here outside of this body supposedly led by the Spirit of Christ. Priesthood of the believer. There's no special priest class. You're all the priest of God to a lost and dying world. Same as me. Two ordinances. He gave two rules to the church that they must continue in. Believer's baptism after salvation, and we've just had some people baptized. And then... The communion table, the Lord's table, which is done in memory of what Jesus did, and it helps to bring us back to what we should never lose sight of. Two ordinances. 
the I of Baptist is individual soul liberty. I don't answer for your salvation. As your pastor, I do answer for certain things in your life because unto whom much is given, much is required. That's a different message. But individual soul liberty. I can't pray you out of hell. And I can't get saved for you. Mom and dads, make sure you understand. You can't get you saved for your children by trying to force them to one, two, three, pray after me too early when they don't even understand what it is. If sick kids got saved early, yeah, Michael, four or five, five years old. Never had a doubt of it. Other ones, sometimes doubt. We made sure he knew he was a sinner. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? You see somebody come from the military and he's talking to me. Is his father? I didn't require him to say yes, sir. But now when he sees anybody, it looks like they're in a position of authority and it's yes, sir. No, sir. He won't get over that, hopefully. First John 3 and verse 20 says, For if our heart condemn us to believers, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. All things. Turn ye not aside. Why? Because God said so. Go pick up your shoes. Why, Mommy? Well, it's because if your father comes home and he slips over those shoes that you left out, he will be upset at me for not keeping the house. So then I will have a problem and then I will have to come talk to you about you leaving your shoes in the wrong place causing me a problem. Tell that to a four-year-old. No, it's, I said so. You know what a lot of God's Word tells you to do something you know what's for? Because I said so. You missed the Sunday, Sunday school hour because when God says something, He's God. And I can't attain or approach unto His righteousness. Sometimes He explains it to us. And we go, oh, okay. And sometimes He waits. You know, there's how many chapters in Job before God says, I'm going to tell you the truth now. Job went through a lot of suffering before God said, I'm going to tell you the truth now. You had some things right, Job, but boy, you messed up here, so you better listen to me. Amen? You look at this. And I love it in verse 22, because it ends and it says, he hath, It hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. Do you know that when someone comes to Jesus Christ, it says there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth? Do you know that the moment you ask Jesus Christ to, to be your personal Lord and Savior, you put a smile on the face of the Most High God, Creator of heaven and earth, because He is Creator? It puts a smile on His face because it shows you having to point to His goodness, His righteousness, and His glory to save you. It pleases Him to make you His people. Why does it please God? You ever think about that? Why did He choose Israel? Do you realize they're one of the smallest nations on the face of the earth? Do you know that Israel's land proper 
before they get title deed to the earth because if you study your Bible out, guess what? It's theirs. The whole thing. You ought to be nice to a Jew. He's going to be your landlord. little facetiousness. He chose Israel because they were nothing. Because they were nothing. I stop and think about, why did God offer salvation to me? To me. Less than nothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. After they knew not God, it said it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for me. If you didn't know, I'm long out of my introduction. message started with fear not. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 I just quoted you verse 21 to save them that believe. Look at verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. There's going to be people saying, what are you idiots doing in this parking lot? You're handing out a book that was written by men thousands of years ago trying to put down women and tell me my lifestyle is sin. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen you, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ. If you're here this morning and you're saved, it says, Of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is of God, is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. See, I know God's got a sense of humor. He called me to preach. I'm highly intelligent. I'm not bragging. That's confidence. I know that. Okay? If you don't know that, talk to me a while. I'll open about some stuff. All right? But you know what I could never do? Talk in front of people. I'd get real nervous and I'd speak fast. And I'd say it so fast that sometimes when I was in school, the teachers didn't understand what I was saying to them because I didn't know what I was doing. I had to quiet down. I had to learn how to speak differently. See, there's hope for everybody. I didn't enunciate, I was nervous. You say, why were you nervous? Well, man, I was eight inches taller than my kindergarten teacher. When you're a kindergartner and you got fourth grades wanting to beat you up for status? When I was in fourth grader, I had a sixth grader want to beat me up because I was bigger than him. When I was in fifth grade, I was taller than anybody in the building, the principal included. They thought I was more mature because I was bigger. No. No. 
you add to the top of that, I had so many things that I held inside that I wanted to get out and I couldn't. And I had to learn to slow my brain down. I was reading some quotes of Albert Einstein this morning before coming over. And Albert Einstein said this. He said, if you can't explain what you're trying to teach somebody, if you can't explain it to a sixth grader so they can understand it, then you don't understand it well enough, you better go back and learn. Albert Einstein. I'm looking through that. You know, Albert Einstein had the attitude that it wasn't about him, that it was about others. I didn't read a salvation testimony, but I spent, Judy's going, what are you doing this morning? She's always checking to make sure I got my devotions in. And she goes, what is that? And I'm looking at quotes on YouTube of Albert Einstein. He had a lot more wisdom and a lot of things than people understand. And everybody thought he was nuts because he couldn't tie his shoes. I'd rather have you know how to treat people than know how to tie your shoes. The wisdom of God. He chooses the foolish things. God changes you. Anything he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. You just have to be willing to do it. Amen? So then we find, back in our text, see, because in verse 22, the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. God's pleased when you get saved. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Before my last couple of concussions, when I say, I know I'm going to say something wrong with this. I read at a rate of 900 words a minute with comprehension. Every time something happens, God's showing me, oh, yeah, you can do that, but you've got to depend on me. I was talking to a preacher, good friend of Pastor Caleb. He's becoming a friend of mine. Art Preevy. Okay? And he looks at me and says, is it getting this way for you, preacher? He says, I'm getting to the place I can almost only remember one scripture verse. He mentioned it in the message yesterday. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And he talked about what he wept about. And he goes, he says, you start getting older and things start disappearing. And I said, yeah, brother, I can at least remember that. Verse 23, moreover, as for God, because this is one thing I don't forget. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and right way. That's the preacher's heart. I promise you I won't sin in ceasing to pray for you. Samuel wouldn't do that either. I pray, I go through my, my phone listing, I try to get everybody's names in there. I try to, if you, don't have, if you haven't given me your number, give me your number. I'll send you a text that I'm praying for you today. Send it to people different times. I'm praying for you today. People who used to come to church and don't come to church, I send it to them more often. I'm praying for you today. 
because I don't want to sin against God. Now I ask you, the Bible also teaches that you're supposed to pray for me. And if you don't, it's sin against God. Did you? Did you? See, I don't give up. I know that God works slowly. He works slowly. Sometimes He convicts us of something. We don't want to do it. We kind of wander for a while. And I've seen it take at least 10 years for someone to turn back around and say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do it now. There's people in this church with that testimony. See, it's because we have to answer to God for you. And it goes on and he says, and I will teach you the good and right way. Had a young person try to steal a member of the church, witnessing to somebody who's in the church right now, trying to tell them that there's no such thing as a pastoral position. That there's no such thing as pastoral. Well, he'd never read Ephesians then. Because he gave him some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, the edification of who? You. Acts 20 and verse 28 says, Take heed unto yourselves. He's talking to the preachers. Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over which God or over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer, a steward over. I'm not your king. I am responsible for leading the flock. So here Samuel says, I will teach you the good in right way. And it starts with this. There's only one way. They made Memphis that yesterday. There's only one way to heaven. It's not through any church, religion, denomination. It's only through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh of the Father but by me. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are lost and undone. You're a child of the devil and you're going to split hell wide open. And I say that in love. You need to come to Christ. You need to accept the free gift of salvation that He offers you. The good and right way. Proverbs 14 and verse 12 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. A way that seemeth right. But the end, one end, are the ways of death. And people choose a lot of different ways. I don't need to disprove Islam to lead someone to the Lord. I need to present Jesus Christ. I need to give them Scripture because there's something funny about this book. Do you realize that this book is God's book? The words are living. And when you give somebody God's Word, not the principles, but God's Word... God's Holy Spirit uses that book to attack their thoughts. If you don't realize it now, you will realize it very quickly in the next five years if we're here that long. Could be 2032, but I'm not setting a date because I've been pastor long enough to know I, I had a book given to me. It was 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming in 1988. 
Then someone went on to write a book, 93 Reasons That Jesus Is Coming in 1993. I have a pastor friend who prepared his church for those who got left behind. <laughs> he converted everything in his church over to gas because you know what was going to happen in 2000? The computers were all going to crash because they didn't know how to switch from 1999 to 2001. Don't believe me? Go back and look at that. And our economy was going to crash. And there was going to be bread lines. And the people from the cities were going to come out and start coming after our groceries and our crops. I didn't believe that. I just bought more ammunition. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jesus could come at any time. Any time. Tomorrow. That'd be a blessing. But if he doesn't, what's going to be more important to you? The soul of your neighbor? Your friend? Your acquaintance? The guy or the girl in the checkout line? The people passing by you on the highway? Is it any, anything unto you, all ye that pass by? But go ye into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. I was nervous yesterday. I thank God for this church. I really do. And if you say I'm sagwagging a little bit, that's okay. I'm here, you're there. I was concerned because there's quite a few people who were going up to the memorial service there was people working on the security cameras here yesterday that might have gone to street preaching. And I was praying, Lord, please bring some people out so James isn't out there by himself on the corner with just one or two women. I haven't got anything wrong against women. They hand out tracks really well. They just, we don't let them street preach. He's going to blow his voice out. So I call him on the way back from the, the memorial services. How many was there? And he says, Preacher, there was 15 people out. Had a bunch of women, some kids, had some men who preached. And I'm going, glory to God. You know what they're doing? They're in the highways and byways and compelling to come in. We'll teach you the good and right way. Only one way. It starts with Jesus. We live in a day and age where spiritual attack is going to be happening more. You are going to start seeing more outward evidence of the attack of devils, of unclean spirits, in America than ever before. You don't have to be afraid of that if you learn from your Savior. When Jesus dealt with the devil, he said, it is written. It is written. You don't believe me? Go look at Matthew 4 and see how he contended with him. When he could have just commanded him to go into the lake of fire. God's teaching should change the way we live. You know something in this world? Knowledge doesn't cut it, does it? You ever, ever seen a time when so many educated people are so stupid? 
Oh, I shouldn't say that. Got to clip that out of the thing. They'll hear that. Education's not the answer to our problems. If you could just learn enough about it, then you'll do the right thing. No, when you don't act upon what you already know, <laughs> it's not changing. Education is not the answer to our problems. You know what it is? Personal accountability for how you treat others. That's the answer to this problem. In America, because God has been taken out of, it, out of this, and I want you to know there's no fear of God hardly left in America, even amongst Baptist churches. We pay homage to Him. We don't longer fear Him. We're accountable for our actions. Don't believe me? Go read 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, it what? Cost me nothing. And though I have all faith so that I could move mountains and give my body to be burned, doesn't cut it. William Booth, he's the founder of the Salvation Army. He used to be one of the biggest motivating forces for charitable acts and reaching people for Jesus Christ. And that group, they didn't believe all like we believe. They did believe, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And they did charitable acts when other people didn't. He was the founder of that, the founder of the Salvation Army. This is what he said about the last century. Because we're living in which century? 21st. Listen to what he said about the 20th century because he came about early in the 20th century. The chief dangers of the 20th century. Religion without the Holy Spirit. Christianity without Christ. These are the chief dangers that he was seeing on the horizon. Forgiveness without repentance and regeneration. Morality without God. And when God is not the foundation of your morality, your morality changes, doesn't it? And heaven without hell. On some have compassion making the difference. On others, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Do you know that you can't get somebody saved if you can't get them lost? They need to know they're sinners or they're not really saved. They may want salvation from their circumstances, but they need to understand they need salvation from themselves. When Job saw who he was in relationship to God, what did he do? I repent in on his face. Do you know Isaiah, whom I personally believe, you know Hunter Gear is one of the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets? 66 books, like, or 66 chapters, like 66 books in the Bible. There's a transition in the 40th chapter. Kind of matches what's going on in the Bible today. When he saw God, what did he do? He said, Woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in a people of unclean lips. And he's on his face. And then the mercy of God came into place. A, a, a fiery coal was placed on his tongue. Forgiveness was given. And then God says, who will go for us? 
Because when you see God as He is, and you see yourself in relationship to God as you ought, the next part should come about. When you got yourself in the right place, you know what it is? Here am I, send me. I don't care if it's just to the person who works with you. They ought to be able to see enough of Christ in you that you can open the door. When they're going through something, you tell them, I'm, I'm praying for you. I've had somebody say, why would you pray for me? I worked in a hammer mill paper company for quite a few years before I got hurt. Couldn't work there any longer. And I witnessed and I prayed. Was I a perfect employee? No, just as Richard Duda in the back. He was one of my bosses. He was the electrical engineer. It wasn't perfect. I saw three foremen come to Christ. People that I had to answer to on the shift I worked on. Because I was accountable to them. You don't have to be me. But you know there's people in your lives that need to what? Know the good and right way. See, verse 24 of our text says, Only fear the Lord. Only fear the Lord. Psalm 9 and verse 20 says, Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves that they are but men. You know what fear is generally? It's the most compelling of all the motives. You know that people act out of more of fear than they do of hope. They act out more of fear than they do of faith. They act out of fear more than they do of love. Children, obey your what? Parents in the Lord. For it is that thou it may go as well with that it may go as well with thee, and thou livest. I want you to know, kids, keep disobeying your parents, you're not going to live as long. I say that because I love you. I want you to live and be around. Okay? Men do things more out of fear of angering their wives than they do just because they love them. Hey, put on your big boy pants and admit that I'm right with that. And if I don't do this, she ain't going to ever let it go. I better go do this. Honey, did you see what I got done today? Yes, honey, thank you. It only took you six months, 23 days, and 10 hours. <laughs> I love my wife. I really do. I'm just afraid she'll stop cooking for me. You say, well, that's not with me. Come off your horse. Okay? The fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. Hmm? See, I didn't say that I fear my wife over God. and It's not the same fear that I have for God. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. But you know, when I say when you do things out of fear, you just don't want to have to be accountable for it. So you've got to do it. Right? How many stuff, things do you do out of duty? My wife, she bought me a sign, hung it at my office at home. It says, I've got to go to church. I've got to go to church. I've got to go to church. I'm the pastor. I'm the pastor. I'm the pastor. 
Do you realize that the chief cause of sin and crime is found in Romans chapter 3, verse 18? There is no fear of God before their eyes. We live in a day and age where they don't believe, not in Jesus Christ alone, they don't believe in God. So they're no longer afraid. So now it's what I can get away with more than you. And I, I want my name to go down in history, so I'll kill a bunch of people so people will remember me. Because life is nothing. It has no value, and there's no answer to it. I'm going to die in one day anyways. You say, is it really like that? Fear will cause you to witness when love won't. You know that? Why do people wait until the tragedy in someone's life or when people are ready to die to make sure that that person is saved? They're afraid of what? The person may go to hell. Why don't you get it taken care of earlier? I'll teach you the good and right way. It goes on there in verse 24, only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth. See, there is wrong service. Verses 21 through 23 of First uh, Samuel 15 will tell you that. They did it the wrong way. They didn't do it God's way. It had to do with Saul. For sake of time, I won't turn there. But it says, Serve him in truth with all your heart. For thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Children start obeying their parents, not because they love their parents, but because they fear their parents. And children train their, or parents train their children because they love their children so that they can protect them from what the rebellion will cost them. And God's a much better father than I am. Do you get what I'm trying to say there? Serve them in truth. There's a wrong way. Do it God's way with all your heart. Put your heart into it. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. We're just done. We're, I promise. Ephesians chapter 6. Ready? Verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. That means the people you answer to in your job. Your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling and singleness of what? Is unto who? So I'm supposed to operate on where I'm in a position where I'm under the authority of someone else as if I'm answering to Christ there. Singleness of heart. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but with, as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Do it with all your heart. You know what Christians need? Commitment. You know what commitment leads to? Right? Wherewithal shall your man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart I have sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. All the ways of man are right in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Verse 3 in that chapter, Proverbs 16 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord. Commit. 
Thy works on the Lord and thy thoughts will be established. So commitment leads to conviction, which leads to completion. You hear what I just said? Commitment leads to conviction, why you do it, which leads to you being able to complete it. In verse 24 in our text says, Consider. Consider how great things He hath done for you. We forget the joy of our salvation. We forget the things God brought us through that we never thought we would get through. We need to consider what great things He hath done. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied in your be wearied and faint in your minds. Definition of consider. To fix the mind on. To think with care. To view attentively. To regard with respect. And when you don't, verse 25 of our text comes into play, believer. But ye shall, if ye still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. That's a judgment for a rebellion. Biggest word in the Bible, biggest little word in the Bible, according to Howard Bacon, is But. But, why? You're going to be consumed. Why consumed? Why that word? They were afraid of death. Why didn't he say, you're going to die? Every word of God is pure. There's a reason for the words in your King James Bible. Definition of consume. To destroy by dissipating or use. It just kind of wastes away on you. To destroy by separating the parts of anything. Decomposition. Eating or devouring, to spend, to cause, to pass away, to cause, to disappear, to waste slowly, to destroy, to bring to utter ruin, to exterminate. Now, that's quite a definition. Please stand. So, as your preacher, from your preacher's heart, I want you to understand there's a cost. You don't have to pay it. You know what America wants? America wants a pill to be developed so that we don't have to pay that price any longer. I'm telling you right now, the pills do more damage. It says, fear not. Fear not. This morning, are you afraid? God says, this is the truth, but I can take care of it. Just come to me, return to me, do it my way. Do it God's way. This week, how many choices have you made that you knew were not what God would have for you? Mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And then he says, after he tells him, fear not, I know what you've done, just repent of it, turn to me, do it God's way, then fear him, serve in truth, and consider what choices you're making now. God's speaking to your heart this morning. How do you see yourself in relationship to God? I love looking at Him as my Heavenly Father. And I remember through the discipline of my Father 
World War II Marine Corps decorated veteran. How sometimes discipline can be hard. But his love never waned. And your heavenly Father says, consider. If we won't consider now, the people around us won't see the difference. We won't open our mouths. We won't tell those that we work with the truth. If you've been at a job for more than two months and everybody on that job around you doesn't know that you're a a Christian, you're backslidden. Amen? Establish it in the beginning. They won't tempt you the same. The world is in turmoil. They need what we have. Are you willing to consider? Don't be ashamed of the one who saved you. You can be ashamed of what you're doing, but don't be ashamed of him. I'm trying to teach you the good and right way. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. I thank you, Father, that Lord, even though you are holy and I am not, you are righteous and I am not, you are pure and I am not, you are perfect and I am not, I can be those things in the Lord Jesus Christ because he's made me a new creature in him. I pray, Father, there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They'd not go to hell. They need to come to Him today. They need to acknowledge they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, I pray for those of us that are here, this church family. Father, Samuel said he would not sin by ceasing to pray for them. Help us not to sin by ceasing to pray for one another and those you've told us to pray for. Work in our hearts and help us, Father, do that which is pleasing in your eyes so we might understand what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God and we could live it before a lost and dying world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.